From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics and Medical Director for the Center for the Advancement of Youth at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Superwoman, Wonder Woman, Men versus Women, Battle of the Sexes. Can women do anything men can do and sometimes better? John McEnroe's recent comments about Serena Williams and her rankings have reopened this sometimes divisive topic. The physical differences are obvious, but what about our brains? Are they different too? Let's talk about what's going on in your life. Share your comments and experiences with us this morning by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking from MPB. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. It is a consequential day on Capitol Hill for the fate of the Republicans' health care bill. A group of Republican senators is threatening to vote against taking up the party's legislation to dismantle the Affordable Care Act if it's brought up for a vote this week. However, NPR Susan Davis reports Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is quietly pressing for a vote ahead of the July 4th break. At least five Republican senators say they would vote against a procedural motion to begin debating the bill. That includes conservatives like Rand Paul of Kentucky and Mike Lee of Utah, who say the bill does not go far enough to repeal Obamacare. It also includes moderates like Susan Collins of Maine and Dean Heller of Nevada, who say the bill goes too far with its cuts to Medicaid, a program that provides care to the most vulnerable Americans. The nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office forecasts that 22 million fewer Americans would have health insurance over the next decade under the Republican bill compared to current law. Susan Collins cited the forecast as one reason she can't support the bill in its current form. Susan Davis, NPR News, The Capitol. A ransomware virus known as Petya may be back. A Swiss government IT agency says it believes Petya has been used across Europe and has led to problems affecting users in the UK, India, India, Ukraine and Russia. A top Russian oil producer, Rosneft, says it has been the victim of a large-scale cyber attack that affected computer systems at some banks and the main airport in Ukraine. The Trump administration is standing by the warning it has issued to Syria to cease and desist on chemical weapons or face the consequences. The U.S. ambassador to the U.N., Nikki Haley, says the Pentagon has seen activities similar to those prior to the chemical attack on a rebel stronghold in Syria in April. Today, she testified before a congressional panel that the administration's warning was also intended for Russia and Iran, Syria's allies. Well, the Kremlin says any threats directed against the Syrian government are, quote, unacceptable, after the White House said Damascus would pay a heavy price. NPR's Lucien Kim reports from Moscow the Russian government has cast doubt that Syrian President Bashar al-Assad is responsible for earlier attacks. Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov said he hadn't seen any evidence supporting the White House's claim, made late Monday. Speaking to reporters, Peskov said he also disagreed with the wording that the Syrian government was planning, quote, another chemical attack. The Kremlin maintains that rebel groups fighting the Assad regime are to blame for the use of chemical weapons in Syria. Russia entered Syria's civil war on the side of government forces in 2015, frequently coming into conflict with the U.S. and its allies. After the U.S. shot down a Syrian government warplane earlier this month, the Russian military said it would cut its communications with American forces operating in the region. Lucien Kim, NPR News, Moscow. The Redstone Arsenal military installation in Alabama tweets that it is in lockdown because of a possible active shooter. The arsenal is headquarters to the Army's Aviation and Missile Command. The tweet goes on to say, run, hide, fight. This is NPR. 
In Germany, Chancellor Angela Merkel has signaled a change in her position on same-sex marriage, stating she is now open to voting in Parliament on the issue. Esme Nicholson reports that opposition lawmakers are pushing for a vote this week for the Bundestag breaks for summer. Chancellor Merkel surprised the media on Monday night by saying she is in favour of a free vote based on conscience rather than on towing party lines on the issue of equal marriage. Her party, the CDU, and its Bavarian sister party, the CSU, have continuously blocked attempts by the opposition to call a debate on the matter. Last week, the Greens, the Social Democrats and the Libertarian FDP party all separately announced that they will only enter into coalition negotiations after the September election if equal marriage becomes law. Commentators remark that Merkel's U-turn is a move to deprive her opposition of a key campaign issue. In response, the opposition is pressing the Chancellor for a vote this week, the last opportunity before the election. For NPR News, I'm Esme Nicholson in Berlin. European regulators are giving Google 90 days to stop directing consumers to its online shopping site or risk more big fines. The EU has already imposed the equivalent of a $2.72 billion penalty on the search engine giant, accusing Google of taking advantage of its dominance in online searches. Google says it may appeal. In the U.S., home prices have picked up in recent months. The Standard & Poor's CoreLogic Case-Shiller Index focused on 20 cities, rose 5.7% in April, continuing an upward trend from the previous two months. At last check, the Dow was up 12 at 21,421. This is NPR. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include C3IoT, providing a software platform that brings machine learning, big data, and cloud computing to industrial-scale predictive analytics and IoT solutions. Learn more at C3IoT.com. This is Relatively Speaking with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, family at mpbonline.org. And now, Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. Good morning. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and this is Relatively Speaking. So today we're talking about the superwoman, wonder woman, men versus woman issue. The battle of the sexes. Can women really do anything men can do and sometimes better? I'm sure many of you heard about John McEnroe, the former tennis player's recent comments about Serena Williams, our top women's tennis player, and about her rankings. He made the comment that uh, Serena certainly was probably the world's best tennis player um, in the women's bracket. But when ranked against men, she would probably come in around 700. Now, you can imagine the storm that came out about that. But what do you think about those comments? Um, He certainly has reopened sometimes the divisive uh, topic about men versus women, Uh, not just from a physical differences. Those are sometimes obvious. But what about our brains? The difference is there, too. And what do you think? Are they different? Is there science behind it? I want you to weigh in on this 
Uh, let's talk about what goes on in your life. Share your comments and experiences with us this morning by calling one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to family at mpbonline dot org. So I I want to talk to you a, a little bit about some background information, not just John McEnroe's comments, certainly. There's been lots of talk over the years, uh, lots of talk about why women can't do certain professions, why they can't be in the military, uh, for example. Um, and certainly as we've moved through, we know much has changed over the years, but has the research changed and, and what are we seeing uh, on a personal note I can remember when when I found out that I had gotten into medical school and I was telling my family and I went over to my grandparents house and I was telling him he just laughed he thought it was hilarious that I thought that I could be a doctor and um, and I had an aunt one of his daughters who really wanted to go to medical school and she was not allowed she instead became a wonderful dietitian but um, it's it's not what was her first choice but due to her gender she was moved into another area are we still doing that to women do we still try to push them toward what's supposed to be the prototypical woman profession whether it's not motherhood or a homemaker is it something else that is typically there as i was looking through um data to prepare for this show one thing that really stood out to me when you looked at men versus women in in the job area are there certain jobs that women cannot do is something i was looking into and i found interesting there were several blog posts that said of course there are certain things women cannot do do. And um, the justification was that there were a pre- by far a predominance of men in that certain profession. Um, aviation, electrician, uh, plumbing, construction, several of those uh, which are truly predominantly uh, male still. Why is that? Is that because women cannot do the job? Or is it because women perhaps the way we teach our young women as they're coming through? Do you think there's something that we are doing as our girls are growing and being educated differently for boys. And the same thing for boys. Do we deny them the ability to go into certain professions um, because they are their boys? I'd, I'd love to hear what you think about that as you move through. And if you have any examples like mine, I will tell you that as I was discussing men versus women uh, with my daughter, Erin, who's now 38, uh, she reminded me, and now I remember this so very clearly, when she was in high school in the 10th grade, I believe, she wanted to take auto shop instead of home ec because she said she already knew how to cook. We were big cookers in our home, and, and she cooked with me from the time she was four. She knew how to sew a little bit, um, but she was not allowed to take the course. 
and and those were the days, honestly, in high school, um, as she put it, I was definitely not a helicopter parent, and I allowed them to fight their own battles. And um, they apparently gave her another option after she argued for a bit, not to take um, auto shop, but she could take something like yearbook or whatever, and she loved to write, so... She was allowed to do that. But uh, she, interesting back then uh, that she was um, now, then not allowed to even consider that. Um, So why do you think that was? They felt that perhaps a girl shouldn't be in there. Uh, Did they feel like uh, she would not excel in that? I don't think that was really it. I think that there was the great divide between home ec and which was the girl's topic and the other. So as I've been thinking through this, going through, looking at the data of um, what says that our girls cannot do the same thing our boys can do and boys cannot do the same thing girls can do, where is all that data? And we'll talk about some of that in a few minutes because there has been, uh, there have been numerous study studies out there that have looked and there have been the meta-analysis. That's where they they put all the studies together and look at them and put all the information together to, to then determine um, when you look at a huge number of individuals if, if what we think still stands. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But think about this. Um, when you were raised, did you believe that you were raised to think that you as a man could do anything? Were you as a woman raised, a young girl, to think that you could do anything um, when you got older? What about your toys? When you were presented toys, um, women, were you given blocks and cars and trains and train tracks and, and puzzles to work with and to build? Or were you more typically given homemaker-type toys, the baby dolls, the strollers, the kitchenettes and and such. Um, Do you think that that could perhaps have changed the way you thought and changed perhaps your uh, interest in what you might do as an adult? Um, Do you think that perhaps that kind of patterning, the way we present things to our children, do you think that could change perhaps their skill set. Do you think that if you had been presented, women out there, with building tools and Bob the Builder toys, do you think that perhaps you might have been one of those people on Fix-It 101? Uh, I just have to say, I have listened as uh, to to our show, and we don't have a lot of women who are the guest experts on that show. Why is that? Is it because they are not out there? Um, the truth is, is that the construction world is, is very male-dominated, though there are some women in it. 
if you look at confidence in women who build and com- versus confidence in men who build, um, the honest truth is in surveys, uh, the majority of individuals out there have more confidence in men builders and women builders. Is it because they're really that much better in design or is it because that's just the way our minds are set? Good question. So uh, I'd love to hear what you think is the answer. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Let's go to our first caller. We have Don from Lexington. Good morning, Don. Thanks for calling. Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm great. You have some comments about female pilots in the 80s. Talk to us. Okay. Um, I was born and raised in Seattle, but my father died when I was very young. My mom remarried to a man in the military. He was stationed at Fort Benning, Georgia. Um, And as soon as we got there, um, I was introduced to a number. There were two or three female helicopter pilots in his his squad. Uh Uh-huh. So that you were talking about aviation. Um, also, my mother was a cancer research scientist, Fred Hutchison uh, Research Center, so that kind of broke that stereotype mold. Right, for sure. And also, um, I took auto mechanics in high school. Um, of course, I'm 52 now, and that was many back, back in the early 80s. And there were two or three uh, ladies in the auto mechanics class. So I, I don't see any barriers. <laughs> so... Do you you don't see any barriers as far as what women can do or barriers to women? I see barriers to women because there's the stereotypes. But in terms of my experience, I've I've seen many of those stereotypes broken. Right. I think thank you for calling in. You gave three great examples. Now, out of how many students in your class do you remember um, there were two or three women? in your think, auto mechanics class. Yeah, I think there was about 10, 10 people in the class, and, yeah. and two of them were, were, were ladies. Yeah. So you're you're from a different area of the country, and certainly um, I wonder if I had, as a parent, really pushed it to get my daughter in, if I could have gotten her in. Not sure about that. Um, this was in the... in. The Deep South. Things certainly have changed now um, yeah. about that. But, yeah. Even though, I was going to say, even though I'm from Seattle, I actually went to high school in Columbus, Georgia. Oh. Which is, which is in the South also. And that's where I saw the female, uh, I'm sorry, the lady um, helicopter pilots and having the girls in my auto mechanics class, things like that. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Um, and and certainly there, there are data out there that say women can engage in those kinds of jobs and do a very excellent job. And I think what we need to do as we, we look at the, the research out there to make sure that we remember that, that we're looking at many, many individuals put together, not each individual. So when you look at the tiny differences in visual spatial skills that men have over women and language skills that women have over men, the differences are so small and it's after looking at um, thousands and thousands of individuals. So Don, thanks for starting the conversation off. You pointed out very clearly that um, 
whether people have the confidence or not in women doing certain jobs. They certainly can do it and they can do good jobs of it. So thanks for listening. Any other thoughts, Don? No, thank you. I'll, I'll let you go on to the show. Okay, thanks a lot. Let's go next to um, John in Biloxi before our first break. John, good morning. Good morning. Uh, first of all, let me say that I'm 70 years old. Okay. So I'm one of the one of the oldest of the baby boomers, and uh, I remember very clearly the 1960s and some of the things that were going on at that time. Girls were not allowed to take industrial arts. They uh, or FFA, they were forced into uh, uh, home economics, just as your daughter was was encountering some things. One of the things you didn't mention in your stereotypes is to see a woman involved in agriculture is unheard of, even to this day. Hmm. That's uh, a good point. A woman, a woman that, that uh, you know, I was born and raised on a farm. My mother threw me out of the kitchen and said I was not allowed in there. My dad threw her out of the cow barn and said she wasn't allowed in there. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I think that, that I don't, I'm like you. I don't understand why that is. And I do know that by the time my son was growing up in the 90s, he was involved in home economics and they didn't give him a hassle about it. So uh, there, there's no question things have changed, but it's uh, it's an ongoing problem and, and still is. Well, I think you're right. And you have pointed out something that is actually not noted very much in the literature about the, the agricultural bent. And we know there are a lot of women who who truly have worked in the area of farming and livestock and have made really great livings. Um, certainly around here, I know there are many women who have been partners in it, especially with their spouses. But um, do they often take the lead? Good question. I think the the stereotypical who can do what and how good are they at what they do. I wonder if a woman went to a banker now to start up a farm um, and they had all the land that they needed, um, would a banker be as willing, just a question, to loan money to that woman who said she was the lead person as they might be to a man? Not sure. Just a thought. Yeah, and I and I think I think that's a very valid question. And of course, uh, I, I don't understand why. You know, in the case of my son, I'll use him as an example. Here is a young man that does all of the stereotypical uh, boy things. Uh-huh. He didn't have he didn't have dolls as a kid. He didn't have any of those kinds of things. He had you know, the, the pop guns and, and all of the stuff that go along with being a boy. On the other hand, when it came to home, that, that's what he wanted. There you go. I, I don't understand that, but it certainly wasn't from his, his toys, that's for sure. So that's all I got. <laughs> okay, John, thanks for your call and thanks for listening. Um, Yeah, I think John pointed out one thing is that uh, sometimes even with giving children 
um, sort of the broad array to choose from versus trying to really only direct them toward uh, boy toys or girl toys, whatever those are, um, sometimes the outcome is still what it's going to be as to his son, perhaps I didn't get to ask John, uh, became a chef because he loved cooking, um, even though um, they, you know, gave him the more traditional boy toys. So my question to you before the break is, do you think that um, some of the data could be skewed because of the way we um, bring our children up? Or are the skills innate? Are there those really innate differences? And what do you think about the military? Um, do you think that women um, are equal to men in the military? Do you think that perhaps um, women may be um, not as good in combat? Just some questions out there. I've got some data behind some of this. And when we come back after the first break, We'll talk about that meta-analysis I told you about earlier and would love to hear from you. Give us a call to join in the conversation about men versus women and professions at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking, and we'll be right back. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Wills Cotrere, the IT guy around here. And I know firsthand that everybody needs a little help from time to time dealing with the fast-paced world of technology. Wilts, I couldn't agree more. I'm Jeremy Thompson, the computer doctor and phone surgeon. As the weekly host of Everyday Tech, it's our job to make it easier for you to keep up with the latest, greatest, or smallest technologies. The way it works is... You give us a call and we'll give you some answers. Hopefully the right ones. Listen to Everyday Tech tomorrow morning at 10 on MPB Think Radio. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking, and I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. We are talking about gender differences, men versus women in different, and not versus, men or women, in different areas of life, uh, different professions. Uh, do we stereotype them into particular professions? Do we make assumptions across the board about all women and all men and and assume that because they are one gender, perhaps they can't do a job that others uh, in another in the other gender could do? 
Um, certainly men outnumber women in certain professions, and now women are equalizing um, in certain professions. Uh, I, one thing I didn't point out, uh, women by far and away have been the bulk of the individuals who taught our children growing up. The majority of elementary and even high school teachers are women. Why is that? Do we think women are really uh, better teachers or do we is it all due to income base um before we go back to the phones which we will we have two callers waiting right now um i wanted to just point out that meta-analysis um that i mentioned earlier it it compiled data from a hundred different studies and so it was more than three million participants but i want you to listen to the dates of those participants 1967 to 1987 the researchers found no overall differences between boys and girls in math performance but girls were better at math computation in elementary and middle school and boys showed a slight edge in problem solving um, in the upper grades it looked like boys and girls understood math concepts equally and um, so it sounded like um, contrary to what what we think, girls and boys, when you put huge numbers together, actually have about the same understanding in math. Now, there have been studies that have gone back and forth looking at that, but it seems that um, another Harvard study that looked at 111 studies um, said the abilities seem to have more a genetic basis um, that didn't have as much to do with gender. So think about that. The other thing I want us to think about is keeping in mind all the studies that have been done compiling all this huge amount of data were well before um, now when women, young girls are uh, have more ability to choose what courses they take. So they can take shop now if they wish. Uh, guys can take home ec if they wish. So think about that. Um, let's go back to the phones. We have Frank and Jackson. Frank, thanks for being patient. Yeah, thank you for the great introduction to the topic. Um, I didn't want to call in too early because I wanted to get the benefit of your little uh, your little talk there. Um, going back to the guy whose son became a chef, uh-huh. um, uh, chef, that's a male-dominated profession. Now, um, I don't know if his guy. son became a chef. I, I I just know he enjoyed the home ec area. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. I think the women in this country are sophisticated, strong, organized, uh, self-aware enough that I don't think they will ever be denied something that they really want to do. The military was the last bastion of that, and they're kind of coming around, too. I think the battle now is going to be equal pay for equal work. Mm. I uh, think you're is, right. Uh, yeah, people seem to think that, well, why should a woman get just as much money? They don't do A, B, C, and D. But the phrase is equal pay for equal work. If you're in the same position, in the same profession, and have the same education and doing the same job, the studies were concentrating on that scenario. That's where they found the disparity. So uh, I'm pretty sure that the women in this country will 
we'll get it together. I give them another five to ten years before that conversation disappears as well. And it'll be um, conversation will be how many women's bathrooms you have on the space shuttle. So, um, <laughs> but again, I really appreciated your introduction and the really serious and and uh, uh, generous and thoughtful way you put your introduction together. And you're truly a resource for our state and to this radio station. God uh- bless. Thank you, Frank. I really appreciate that. And and I think your comments are are wonderful. And how many um, women's bathrooms on the space shuttle? Um, I think we're going to be moving more to gender gender neutral, so there won't be a huge conversation about who goes where. Um, that that makes for everything being more private. But um, yeah, I agree with you. I think that as we move along, um, hopefully. Hopefully this conversation will go away. I will say that as I was looking into things, the the comment in one article was that um, there are more men from 25 to 30 who are now making $30,000 or less than um, in recent years. So income has dropped a bit for the young adult male. They also noted that it had gone up significantly for the young adult female. But guess what their average was? It was 29,000. So it was even lower, even though they were coming up, men were down a little bit, but women were still making about $1,000, even in that lower income bracket, were still making less. So another just little piece to contemplate on. Um, We have another Frank on the road who has some comments about the research. Good morning, Frank. Hello, Frank, are you still there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, perfect. Okay. Um, Well, let me kind of give you some, uh, my street cred, I guess. I have a doctoral degree in education. Wonderful. I'm I'm currently a teacher in Georgia. I'm also a retired military officer. Wow, So, um, I guess the comment, uh, would you like me to talk about the education piece or the women in the military? You can talk about both pieces if you wish, Frank, and thank you for your service, too. Well, I appreciate that. So, first of all, I think for you um, and and for the audience, and you know this, having a doctoral degree, when you start looking at any research that includes numbers or, you know, quantitative findings, for example, the numbers you just gave on earnings, I mean, you know, as well as I do, you really got to pull the layers back on that and find out what are we comparing? Right. Uh, Is that women without a high school degree, with a high school degree, um, with an advanced degree? I mean, all of that matters. And it's it's a real danger. Uh, And we see this happen quite often in the um, media outlets all over today, that a, a finding will be presented and uh, it will be presented as if it's credible because it's got numbers behind it. But people have got to take the time to peel back the numbers and see for themselves what are we really comparing. Because if you don't do that, we can really head off in some bad directions. Absolutely so correct. One, want to get that out there yes. about the research. And, and let me talk about women in the military. Um, I've retired in 2006. Um, and 
there were, I, I was a combat arms officer. I was an infantry officer for most of my career. Uh, the last administration, as your listeners know, opened up many uh, military occupational specialties to women, including infantry. So we now have, in the United States Army, we have the first batch of young female lieutenants who are now moving out um, to units and serving as platoon leaders. Um, and I would just ask your audience to consider a question. Um, I mean, the physical differences between men and women as far as strength, endurance, and that sort of thing are obvious. Those are well-documented. Right. Um, it's, it's an exceptional woman that's going to, for example, finish U.S. Army Ranger School. We had the first uh, women graduates of Ranger School, I think it was last year. I'm a Ranger School graduate just for context. Um, are we making the force better? Are we making the force stronger? Are we making those units better by taking the very, very small handful of women that will be able to graduate from those leadership courses and go stand in front of those platoons? And uh, are we making the force stronger? Or was that done for political purposes? I, th I would argue the military situation is unique uh, in the country. Um, it's something that as a nation we should really think about hard. There are certainly places where women uh, served alongside me in different assignments, because I didn't only do infantry assignments, but, and they served well, and they you know, were huge contributors, and, and I was thankful they were there. Um, mm -hmm. But this is, a, this, is a, this is a sticky one when you get into the women in the military and women in combat roles. Uh, that's something that I think wasn't really discussed. I know that the current SECDEF is reviewing, uh, I think, some policy decisions the previous administration made now. It'll be interesting to see how he falls down on those. I'll pause. Frank, um, lots of good comments and and your your thoughts about women in the military. I understand where you're coming from about the physical strength and and my question. Uh, I'll I'll point some of that out for the listening audience in just a moment. And my question, I'm not giving an answer on this one, is 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 it in the military all about strength or do we need another end of it? Also, is there another end of it? So if we're talking about on-the-ground combat, combat um, if you're talking about hand-to-hand -hand combat, certainly um, in the majority of cases, um, we know there are small men and there are large women, but in the majority of cases, um, men overall have an advantage. Um, just because of some studies that have been done, we know on average men had an average of 26 pounds more skeletal muscle mass that means the the active muscle mass than women and um, women also had again in studies of supposed equal fitness 40 percent less upper body strength and uh, 33 percent lower less lower body strength so those differences are just there um, so does that does that mean we will have a quote literally weaker combat force if we have a lot of women or is there something women bring to the military that would be helpful or is everybody on equal ground 
Um, I'm not. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm cert- I mean, women are in the military, and they're certainly there to stay, yeah. and and that's fine. The 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 line that was crossed with the last administration was putting women in frontline combat arms, such as infantry and armor units, and and let's let's think about let's forget the strength issue. That's obvious. No one's debating that. Right. Let's say that you have that young lieutenant that graduated from West Point last spring. She's now finished up her uh, basic course class down at Fort Benning, and now she's been assigned to the 1st Armored Division in Fort Riley, Kansas. She is the sole female in an infantry company of approximately 110 men. She is probably the sole female in an infantry battalion of approximately 500 men. Um, have we made the force stronger by taking this woman, and assuming she met the standards, whatever those standards were, because that's what the military said it would do, it would not change its standards for right. these women. Right. Have, have, have we made that platoon stronger? Have we made the force stronger when it comes to, because at the end of the day, the job of the infantry is to close with and destroy the enemy in close battle. That's what the infantry has always done. And no matter how uh, we may do it somewhat differently today because of different weapons and technology, at the end of the day, that unit's responsibility is to close with and destroy the enemy. Have we made the force stronger by taking what will end up being a few token females who have met the standard and put them into a handful of units. And that's, of course, I have a very personal tie to this, given my background. Right. But for people, for people that don't have a military background, who don't have that experience, that are looking at this from the outside, um, it's a real, I think it's a real question that folks should consider. Yeah. And I'm not making a judgment. I'm not wearing the uniform anymore. <laughs> mm. um, if my own daughter decided that that was a path she wanted to pursue, I would do my best to support her, you know, in any way I could. But I hear where I, you're coming from, Frank. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks so much for your call. You've you've um, put out a couple of really interesting, good questions, Frank. And I'm sure we'd love to hear from other listeners about what their thoughts and what Frank had to say. Frank, thanks so much. And again, thanks for your service. Um, let's go to Anne has been very patient. Anne, thanks for waiting. You have some comments from Carthage. Yes, uh, it's about the sports uh-huh. In the 70s, when I was in school, my school, which was in Chicago, uh, didn't have a girls' swim team. Therefore, we had to swim with the boys. And we were pretty good. I mean, we whipped some boys on that team. On the other team. <laughs> good for and you. Fact, when they finally did make a girls' team, we were not allowed to swim. Wow. Yeah. We competed against the boys. Yeah. And uh, I don't think that was fair, but, you know, that was the times, and, you know, that was the... The 70s, like around about 76, 77 when I was in school. Well, you, you know, Anne, um, there are still some issues ongoing. I think many of you may have seen in the news the the girl who wanted to play on a football team, and when they found out she was a girl, had a big fit over that. They had uh, uh, 
on the field, um, a girl who had a, quote, boy haircut and looked like a little boy out on the field, and a lot of the mothers and fathers yeah Yeah, we're up in arms yeah because i thought it was a boy playing with the girls giving them an undue advantage so yeah we still have issues there um and and like i said um as frank and i were talking there are strength differences in men and women and testosterone versus estrogen makes a big difference women have just naturally more body fat men naturally have after adolescence um, have more um, muscle mass and muscle strength and so men do have an advantage over women from that physical standpoint but there are still plenty of women who can beat plenty of men at different yeah, sports because of their skill set that we swam against that boys and we won oh, yeah. they were hot they Thanks for your call and thanks for listening. Um, Well, let's go. We um, we still have some open lines in a minute. We're going to go to our next caller, um, but I want to give the number out again. We want you to join the conversation about men versus women in not just sports and jobs and life. Give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Okay, let's go on to Amy and Byram. Good morning, Amy. Hi, good morning. Hey. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. I've got a quick comment about my sister who worked at NASA, and this is back in the uh, 60s, late 60s, early 70s, and she was sitting, a programmer sitting there entering her data, data in the computer, and there were two men at the next computer who were her same age, which she graduated in 1954. And they were sitting there doing a hunt and tech to get their data entered in. (laughs) And one turned to the other and said, you know, I wish it hadn't been a sissy to take typing when I was in high school. So that was the issue back then. It was for boys to take typing. But now with computers, everybody types. Oh, yeah. Children, everybody. But my first husband was an electrician, and I wound up in the electrical wholesale business for 25 years. And he and I worked the first five years we were married seven days a week. After I'd get off from work, I would go help him wire houses. And I kind of slipped in the back door of that because I would be sitting in the truck reading a book and got very bored. And so finally I went in the house and I said, is there something I can do? And so he put me to work installing light switches. And from there, it just, you know, went on. So I was not only out in the field wiring and helping with that, but I was also in the uh, wholesale business. And I would answer the phone at the uh, shop and in, in name the company. And they would say, may I speak to a salesman? And I always replied, they tell me I am one. <laughs> you are certainly in a man's world. Apparently, uh, there are very few women electricians. Right. Yeah. There are very few. And, and like I say, I just kind of slipped in the back door of it. But, um, you know, it, it's a great world, but it's, you know, you 
you are definitely with the men. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, Amy, thanks for your call and pointing out that women can do those types of jobs. Um, I think often they're just not given the opportunity. So, well, that's true. I mean, yeah. you know, putting on switches was not, not a real technical job, but, you know, of course, I had to you know, know which wire went where. But, right. but it, you know, that's where I began and I learned. And, and it was, you know, it was fun. I'm glad I can look back on it and that I'm not doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ann, thanks for, thanks for your call and thanks for listening. Okay, I think maybe we'll go ahead and take a break. We've got several callers on the line. Y'all hang on and we'll get right with you right after this short break. This is Relatively Speaking. We're talking about men versus women and who can do what. We'll be right back. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. What activities does your group have planned this summer? How are you letting others know about them? MPB has a free way to help. Just email us now. It's events at mpbonline.org. We'll put your information on the air. Let listeners around the state know about your upcoming festivals, concerts, or other fun events. Send an email to events at mpbonline.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877 MPB Ring. That's 1 877 672 7464. Or you can email the show family at mpbonline.org. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking, and I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. We are talking about men or women, which are better for what job, or is there such? Um, let's go on back to the phones. We've had lots of great calls. Let's go to William in Starkville, um, who's been waiting for a long time, William. Thanks for being patient. 
I, well, I'm here, and, and unfortunately, I grew up in the shadow of the Depression, so I'm at that late stage of life where every time you take a break, I forget half of what I was going to say. <laughs> I'm going to make my final comment first, and then I'll make some further comments, which, which is that, that I think after 10,000 years of male domination in the world as emperors, kings, generals, and, and uh, soldiers, uh, and whatever, that... Uh, I'm anxious to, to give women a chance for a, a century or two to see uh, see if they can do a better job than of saving the world than than our uh, previous history had had indicated. <laughs> I, I grew up in a uh, in a small town in a healthy farm community in the uh, high north, uh-huh. um, and uh, lots of women and uh, uh, girls in school. And I remember that our very old and old-fashioned principal uh, in our big uh, track and field day that, that we had every year that the girls couldn't run more than 300 yards and I knew that <laughs> that they were highly capable of doing much much better than that they could throw a ball for the a baseball further than I could for example but I was a runner and uh and I was proud of my strength and capability but one time my girlfriend <clears throat> got uh, and her family got caught with a impending rain and a bunch of uh, bale hay in the field and I quickly found out that she could handle, she could roll bailed hay faster than I could. <laughs> she had some real endurance, huh? <laughs> the information was that, that uh, I well recall that in the 30s and 40s, the world record for male world record, the world record for the marathon held by males was, uh, was met uh, in the 70s, uh, you know, just a few de- couple of decades later by women runners. And while I doubt that uh, um, that there that there ever be a case where where women exceed men. Uh, I, I wouldn't uh, say it's impossible, but uh, there's a lot of effort, and there's no question that that men are, are built and have better capabilities that allow them to uh, to exceed in in sorts of strength. Uh, 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 competition. Right. Well, I will say, William, that um, you, your observations have been right. Women, due to their their ex- um, increased fat stores over men in general, and um, the the caused by estrogen, they do tend to have longer endurance. And so that's one physical area where where women do um, trump men. So. Well, William, thanks for your call. You have some great observations, and you're you're absolutely right. So, um, thanks for listening, and keep keep on. Let's go next to Sam in Tupelo. Sam, you had some comments about women and careers. Well, I think I have comments in the question, but yeah, you know, I think my daughter um, was at Ole Miss, and. Um, she um, graduated a few years ago, and while I was over there at her dorm, you know, I would see um, what I call Susie sororities. And I don't mean that insultingly, but these girls looked alike, talked alike. It, it was like they were clones. Mm. And I think to a large extent, people self-select nowadays. You know, it's obvious these girls weren't going to be construction workers. And they weren't going into mechanical engineering. But then again, there are a lot of women that are. I've worked with some great, great women engineers. I'm an engineer, by the way. Uh-huh. And I have worked and trained some wonderful 
women engineers. And I think women can do whatever women want to do. And I think men should be able to do whatever they want to do, whether it's um, um, be a army ranger or whether it's stay home be Mr. Mom. Uh, you know, I'm I with think you. Nowadays, let's self-select. Let's decide what we want to be. Um, and I'm calling in. Sam's not my name. I'm going to tell you why. Um, when I was growing up, I was one of these boys. I took all my toys apart to see how they work, put them back together. Had a very supportive father who um, was also a mechanical engineer. And my mother was very supportive. But anyway, I came down with rheumatic fever. And they made me stay home for a year. Well, the only close-by people I had to play with were basically girls, you know, and, and I mm-hmm. limited as to how much play I could do. So one day, <clears throat> Mom's taking me to the doctor, and I said, I'll go peacefully if you will buy me some paper dolls. That's why I'm calling in under an assumed name. So after the doctor <laughs> visit, Mom took me, and we bought paper dolls. And it wasn't I wanted to play with dolls. It was... I wanted to see how, I'd seen my sister use them. I wanted to see how they punched out and how you cut out all the parts. How they worked. How it all fits, yeah. But see what you did. You were worried about somebody stereotyping you as as, uh, maybe being a sissy because you wanted to do something like that. I think we all need to get over that and just let people be who they are and learn the way they can learn. Um, Sam, we're about out of time. And um, do we have time for our last call? Okay, we're going to go to our last caller real quick, Bert in Natchez. We have about 50 seconds for your I think the I think the military veteran probably knows this. He didn't quite say it. Um, the answer to his question is probably the strength between the ears, not between the torso. So does it make the unit stronger? It's probably going to be their intellect and decision-making that answers that question. And it certainly could be a positive, as we've seen recently from General Petraeus and General Flynn, you know, guys are, are capable of being stupid as well and making dumb decisions. So if a woman failed, it wouldn't be the first time somebody failed. So if they if they qualified on the test, physical, mental, aptitude, whatever else they had to do to qualify, then they probably could make the right decisions just as well as the man could. Wow. Well said, Bert, and you did it in your 50 seconds. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. Thanks for your call. I think this was a great conversation. We just need to remember that. Um, let everybody be who they want to be. And um, if we could just not judge and not tell and not direct so hard, we'd probably have a better place. Today's show was engineered by Jay White, our call screener, Sherita Brent, um, who is leaving us. I'm so sad. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking, and stay tuned for NPR's Here Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio.